Hello and welcome to season two of the Sustainable E-Commerce Podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build your brand for a healthier planet. As always, I'm your host, Giles Smith, and I am very excited to be back on the air and kicking off this new season today. We have an amazing lineup of brand founders and innovators, as well as service providers working to make your brand growth that little bit easier. Now, over the past few years, I've been lucky enough to work with, to interview on the show, as well as study and deconstruct the approach of a wide variety of sustainable brands. And as a result, I've seen a pattern of strategies and tactics that help deliver success, as well as some traps that some founders fall into that really does impede their growth. So today, I'm going to share those insights with you as 10 critical things to get right in order to unlock your growth and ensure your brand has the impact that you want it to. So with that, let's start the show. Now, before we dive into those critical tips, let's take a look at the big picture because it's important to set some context for where things are at as we head towards the end of 2022. Let's first look at some interesting research collated late last year in 2021 by consulting firm Simon Kutcher Partners on the degree to which consumers are actually actively engaging with sustainability. They studied 10,000 consumers from 17 different countries, including Australia, to learn about their beliefs towards sustainability and to see how those beliefs actually translate into purchasing habits. Some interesting observations emerge. And by the way, I'll put a graphic for this in the show notes, which will really help bring those observations together for you. So nearly 80% of consumers surveyed said they believe that sustainability is important and they want to live more sustainable lives. You know, that's massive. If you're a brand that makes sustainable products or a purpose-driven brand focused on sustainability, your potential audience is more mainstream than ever. 60% of the people surveyed said they'd made modest changes to their consumption behaviours in an effort to do better for the environment. And I think there are two interesting points about that. Firstly, 40% of people, even though they say it's important, have made no changes and done nothing differently at all. Secondly, 60% have only made modest changes. Now, why is that? Well, my belief around that is that change is hard. It forces people into a state of pain to break habits. And generally, people try to avoid change even when it's good for them. In addition, environmental issues are immensely confusing and often seem like a kind of existential problem that they have no possible impact on. In other words, they don't know what to do. Now, next, 50% of consumers surveyed said that they see a product sustainability profile as being a top value driver when it comes to making purchasing decisions. It's seen as a key differentiator, but only if they can clearly identify and understand it. And that means that having done all the hard work to get the right people to your store, half of them will leave if they can't understand how your product is sustainable. So presenting information in a clear, transparent and very visible way is critical. And finally, when it comes to the point of purchase, only 30% of consumers responded that they are willing to pay more for sustainable products. 
With the cost of living crisis in full swing, that means that just because your brand is sustainable doesn't necessarily mean that people will buy from you. Now, I do think there's devil in the detail on this one that the report doesn't explore, specifically around crafting stronger messaging. So I'm going to come back to that a bit later. But that research report does give us some useful context as we run towards the end of this year. Sustainability is now clearly a mainstream desire for consumers. Whilst most want to do better, few have made changes so far, leaving the market truly open for the brands that help them make that transition easy. That's a huge, huge opportunity for your brand, but it also means we'll likely see a huge increase in competition over the next few years. So what can you do in your brand to set it up for success, to capture the market and allow you to have the impact you've always dreamed of? Well, let's get started with today's 10 tips. Firstly, actually balance profit and purpose. Now, for generations since time began, it seems people have made money by reaping our natural resources, not being mindful of of their mostly negative impact on the planet and on the many lives of the people in their supply chain. In other words, you got rich by doing bad, and it was down to not-for-profits and governments to somehow fix all that up. Needless to say, that has not worked. As a result, I think there's still a lot of stigma among sustainable and ethical brands around making a profit like somehow being profitable detracts from their mission. I've seen this many times in founder-led brands who struggle to survive on wafer-thin margins because they want to be seen as doing good. It's often demonstrated through a fear of increasing their prices, even when they already have low or highly competitive pricing. Taking an aside into pricing for just a moment, we just heard from the report that only 30% of customers are willing to pay more for sustainable products. If that's the case, then that's still 30% of basically everyone. So that's still a heck of a lot of potential customers that are willing to pay more. But more importantly, price sensitivity is typically one of the main features of a commoditized market. And I would argue that the market for sustainable products is not even close to being mature enough to be called commoditized. This isn't the only research report I've seen this in, and I'm hearing it from brands in the marketplace. So why the disparity? As we'll discuss shortly, that absolutely comes down to your messaging and how you're telling and selling your story throughout the customer journey. But back to the topic of balancing profit and purpose. It's time for a new way of thinking. And to that end, I think the B Corp philosophy is exactly right here. How great would it be if in the future, the most successful entrepreneurs, the ones appearing on things like the Forbes list, are the ones making the most profit and having the most positive impact on the world? Profit isn't a dirty word. It enables your brand to have an impact. Without profit, you can't sustain your brand. You can't invest in marketing to reach more people. You can't invest in new products to serve your customers with, and you can't attract and keep the best talent. More profit can also mean more impact. Just look at who gives a crap. They give 50% of their profits to charities that support their cause. They chose not to go into many retail chains early on because it was less profitable to do so. Had they not focused on profit, they would not have been able to donate over $10 million to date to bringing sanitation and water equality to many of the world's poorest areas. Another important point here 
is that if you are a purpose-driven brand, a sustainable brand, sooner or later, you're going to need to invest in certifications and prove the claims you're making in regards to your mission. B Corp that I mentioned just a moment ago is just one of those things. And that in itself isn't all that expensive, but you'll often need to go ahead and get impact audits on your supply chain, carbon assessments and other independent evaluations, all of which can cost many thousands of dollars, both initially and annually. And without profit, you simply can't cover that. Unfortunately, it isn't a level playing field and proving you're doing what you say is really one of the key ways customers can distinguish your brand from one that relies on greenwashing to capture the exact same market. So when I say balance, profit and purpose, I really do mean balance, profit and purpose, because without profit, you can't actually achieve purpose or otherwise you end up just being a charity. The next big thing to think about is to build purpose into your business model. Now, I mentioned who gives a crap a moment ago. They're a great example of the classic model for, uh, for business doing good in that they take a portion of their profit at the end of the year and donate some of that to the causes that matter to them. For established businesses, that often sits on their balance sheet through the year as a liability, getting cleaned up at reporting time. For small founder-led businesses, though, the conversation often shows that donations to their cause are more of a mental note to self with the intention to give up some of their profits at the end of the year. The problem with that for startups and especially in e-commerce is that it can take several years to turn a profit and many run for years almost as pet projects of the founders without having the impact that they'd actually hoped for. Moreover, Consumers are becoming more and more cynical of profit-related allocations, often linking them to sort of value-signaling ESG and CSR initiatives rather than a real commitment to doing good. It's time to rethink that model. There's a new generation of purpose-led businesses coming through whose activities directly contribute to the impact that they want to have. Take Zero Co here in Australia, whose mission is to solve the plastic pollution problem by removing single-use plastic from the laundry, kitchen and bathroom. Customers purchase starter packs of various spray bottles and containers that they call forever bottles, and then they purchase refillable pouches that they send back to Zero Co when empty in a completely closed-loop, reusable model. Their forever bottles are made from reclaimed ocean plastic, and purchasing the starter packs helps them fund more ocean cleanups. Every pouch itself is another bottle that doesn't end up in landfill. Zero Co may choose to donate additional funds from profits at the end of the year, or they may simply fund more ocean cleanups directly. Either way, their impact is actually baked directly into their business model. Their products, in fact, directly deliver the impact that they're looking for. Now, we can't all run businesses like Zero Co, where the products themselves are the impact. But there are other creative ways to build impact directly into your model. One of my coaching clients, for example, makes personal organizer products using FSC certified recycled paper and recycled coffee cups and other sustainable materials. That's awesome in itself. But her mission is to replant the planet and undo the harm done to our native forests by the paper industry. So accordingly, we've priced into her model to plant trees with every order, and she encourages repeat purchasing by committing to protect an extra few square meters of native rainforest for every third order. So you don't need to wait 
until the end of the financial year to make your donations. Incorporating your impact directly into your business model and including it into your PL is a great way to ensure your brand is making a difference right from day one. So third on the list and responding directly to some of those things in the report from earlier, market to the audience that exists now, not the one that existed five years ago. A mistake I see so many brands making, especially if they've been around for a few years and were operating pre-pandemic, is in thinking that their potential customer base is still dominantly eco-warriors. Five years ago, maybe even three years ago, certainly here in Australia, it was largely the strongly eco-minded consumers who were desperately seeking environmental-friendly products and sustainable brands to buy them from. Sustainable solutions were hard to find, so as long as you could show them why your product matched their values, they'd simply snap it up. Fast forward to 2022 2023, that's not the case anymore. As we saw from the research report, 80% of consumers want to live more sustainably, 60% actually making changes to what they purchase, and half consider sustainability to be an important factor when choosing what to buy. And that means, quite simply, sustainably based purchasing is mainstream. In fact, as market dynamics go, I believe we're now in the early majority phase. And that means that over the next few years, we're going to see the fastest growth in uptake from consumers, as well as the fastest growth in competition to meet that new demand. So while you may have had some success in the past attracting eco-warriors, and they no doubt continue to be valuable customers, unlocking growth for your brand going forward is going to be about resonating with mainstream consumers. And that means a different messaging approach because mainstream consumers balance product benefits and sustainability benefits in different ways to eco-warriors. Eco-warriors will buy sustainable products because they're in line with their beliefs and they fit in and help them support the way they want to live their lives. Mainstream consumers want to solve their problems with great products first. And the sustainability of that product or service is either a must-have or a nice-to-have as a secondary consideration. Growing your brand going forward is also going to be about communicating what you do in a way that cuts through that increasing noise from sustainable competitors flooding in, as well as slower-moving brands, value signaling, and just plain greenwashing. So the impact of mainstream consumption affects the way that you think about design and market your products. You need to design products to give a better experience than their non-sustainable alternatives. For almost any brand, a great approach for product development is to get a version one product to market and then rapidly improve it so it solves your customers' problems more effectively than anything that exists out there in the marketplace. Having a good enough sustainable product in the marketplace is almost always better than a perfect product that never gets launched. But where I see a surprisingly large number of sustainable brands falling short, and this is particularly true for brands that have been around for a while, is when they assume that simply using sustainable or recycled materials makes it a better product. Remember that mainstream consumers are not the same as eco-warriors. Eco-warriors might be prepared to put up with some performance trade-offs in exchange for sustainability benefits, but by and large, mainstream consumers want to solve their problems first. Yes, they might consider con sustainability as an important factor when making their purchasing choices, but if your products are just okay, 
customers will pretty quickly revert back to what they know because you're not solving their problems more effectively. Worse still, they won't always go away quietly. In many cases, using sustainable materials means that our cost of goods is higher than a non-sustainable alternative, which of course means that our price point is likely higher as well. And remember from the survey that only 30% of customers noted they were willing to pay more for sustainable alternatives. Mainstream consumers can get particularly moody when they're asked to pay more and the product isn't even as good as what they were used to using. If your products are more expensive and seen as not as good, even if they're better for the environment, you'll end up with refunds, returns, bad reviews, and ultimately a loss of traction. Of course, better is a subjective term that doesn't necessarily just relate to the perceived or actual quality of the product. Ultimately, better is a judgment of the total customer experience, and that becomes especially relevant when discussing brands that operate a circular or reuse model. Many experts believe that circularity is the only truly sustainable model, and for what it's worth, I'm kind of behind that as well. But circularity is not without its customer experience issues. Our whole lives as consumers have been optimized for linear consumption. Buy, use, throw away. Although circularity is excitingly being adopted in a number of industries, including apparel, it's actually consumable products that are really shining so far in this space. And by consumable, of course, I mean anything that's shipped to you in primary packaging, a container of some sort, like a tin, a bag, a case, a tube or a dispenser. You use what's inside the container and then you're left with just the empty container. And that could be anything from a bag of dog food to coffee pods, printer cartridges, home cleaning or personal care products, and just about anything that needs to be contained, held together or protected in primary packaging. Now, that's useful because containers typically create waste and in a linear model, it costs money to produce. So there's value in reuse. So the central challenge then for anyone building a circular business model is to design into your system an easy, frictionless way for reclaiming that container and splitting the reclaimed value with your customer. And therein lies the rub for making a better product. Remember, I said that better applies to the overall experience of buying and using your products. While eco-warriors may be happy to interrupt their day and bring things back in person, mainstream customers may not be so forgiving. And of course, physical presence return is a tough thing to scale geographically. To keep mainstream customers in your loop, their return experience needs to be as frictionless as possible so it doesn't become a reason to slip back into the all-too-easy buy-use throwaway model. Obviously, the easiest possible thing for a customer is to collect the item direct from their own front door. And for that reason, I think we'll see an explosion in demand for reverse logistics in the next few years. Failing that, giving them a free shipping label for good old postal services is a tried and tested way for e-commerce brands to handle returns. And most shoppers are used to it and used to doing it. Whatever you do, don't ask the customer to pay for return shipping. That is not going to give a seamless experience or even one on par with your linear competitors. So to summarize my thoughts on product design, just because you're using sustainable materials doesn't necessarily mean that it makes it an equal or better product experience, especially for mainstream customers. Take the opportunity now to make sure that your product is at least as good and ideally better than mainstream products. 
and that your service as a whole is as frictionless as possible to make that transition from linear to circular an absolute no-brainer for those mainstream consumers. Now, we talked about shipping a little bit there just then. So let's now turn our minds to packaging. Use packaging to tell your story. As sustainable brands, I think we tend to have a hate-hate relationship with packaging, and really for a good reason. It's one of the Achilles heels for e-commerce, given that we do have to deliver the product in good condition. Yet packaging accounts for an eye-watering percentage of landfill. Customers hate having to deal with it too. And as a result, there's been a trend for some time for brands to focus on eliminating packaging as part of their overall story. I think that's noble and it's good. You should definitely try and eliminate unnecessary packaging and you should choose one of the many sources of sustainable packaging over plastic items. If you need help with that, I've got my friends at Heaps Good Packaging coming on the show in a few weeks. But it's entirely possible to go too far. I've seen some brands end up with increased returns due to damaged goods, which obviously is counterproductive. Instead of elimination at all costs, Rather rethink your packaging to minimize it and then leverage what you do absolutely need for maximum value. Your packaging can actually be a very powerful marketing and storytelling tool. If you're wholesaling your products, think about how you can stand out as a sustainable alternative on the shelves. Simple things like green and brown earthy tones on packaging send signals to the buyers. Think about how you can tell your reuse story. As consumers, we're not used to reuse and the real estate you have on your packaging, both display and shipment packaging, can be a useful tool in educating and reminding customers what your brand is actually about and what they need to do with your product once it's being used up. And speaking of story, that leads me on to my next few points in relation to messaging. Take a back seat and let your customer shine. There's a really interesting polarization that's been happening among sustainable brands over the past three to five years. Some founders openly talk about the great work their brand is doing, strongly leveraging their impact to stand out in the crowd. And that does make complete sense to me. I mean, we've typically swept blood and tears to get our brands to market, and we're rightly proud of them and what we've built. But then there's the other camp where the environmental benefits of using or buying their products or the impact that they're having through other philanthropic work is a kind of buried behind fears of accidental greenwashing or being called out for using their initiatives as a marketing ploy. Instead, they focus on their products or service benefits, relying on their USP, if they truly have one, to capture interest. In other words, they're competing in the same way as everybody else. Like I mentioned earlier, bringing your impact initiatives into your actual business model is one way to head off those kind of considerations at the past. But the reality is that both of these messaging approaches actually miss the mark. There's something they are missing, which in my view is absolutely critical to successful marketing as a sustainable brand. In working with and interviewing and studying a huge variety of sustainable brands, I've been looking for commonalities in what they're doing with their messaging to enable success. And one thing that keeps coming up is this notion of making the customer the hero. Now, I've been using the story brand framework by Donald Miller for years, and I highly rate it as a framework for brand messaging. In story brand, you recognize that like any good story, the hero is the main character, and that's your customer. And the hero needs a guide, which is you. 
It recognizes that the customer wants to solve their problems and to be the hero in their own life. And it doesn't need your brand muscling in and trying to take the spotlight. So initially, I latched onto that idea, but I quickly realized that didn't quite fit. In fact, what many of the really successful brands are doing is showing how the customer is actually the hero in the brand's mission. After all, they are the ones who are purchasing and making it all possible. The key here is that right now, mainstream customers actually have two problems. The first is whatever need is driving them to purchase your product in the first place. But the second is this unsolved disparity between wanting to do better for the environment and actually being able to make impactful changes in their life. When you make people the hero in their own life, that's one step up from selling features and benefits. But when you cast them as the hero in your mission that's good for the planet, that's a whole new level of messaging again. So take a close look at your messaging. Is it shouting about how great your brand is or the opposite, burying all the good work you're doing and focusing on product USP? If so, look at turning it all on its head and instead focus on how you can position the customer as the hero in your mission. Now, closely related to that is my next point. Show how using or buying your product makes it easy for the customer to be the hero. Sustainability is immensely confusing, even for those of us working in the space. Eco-warriors are often clued up about the benefits of one material over another, but even they can get bamboozled by supply chain transparency and what your overall achievements towards carbon neutrality or net zero really means. The potential to confuse is even more problematic when marketing to mainstream consumers, who you'll recall primarily want to solve their problems. And whatever way you cut it, confusion is the opposite of clear, powerful messaging and will without doubt lead to lost sales. As we saw earlier, even though 80% of people want to do better for the environment, 40% haven't made any changes to their purchasing habits, and most of the remaining 6% have only made small changes. And that's simply because change is hard. It can be seen as scary, and there's almost always some degree of discomfort involved. And for most mainstream customers, that's something to be avoided. So it's vitally important that you show the customer how easy you make it to make a sustainable choice. Remember, the customer is the hero and you are their guide. You have to do the hard work to help the customer achieve their goal. One very powerful way to do that is to take a fresh look at how you communicate your brand's impact. For example, as well as promoting that your business overall has saved, for example, one million plastic bottles from entering landfill, let the customer know that the item they're about to purchase directly saves two more bottles from landfill. Suddenly, they clearly understand their impact and they can see how purchasing from you is making it easy for them to have that impact. By breaking the impact down to the item being purchased, the impact of an overall order and a customer's combined impact over all of their orders with you, you've turned a hard to grasp and somewhat ethereal concept into something very, very tangible. All the customer needs to do is purchase from you and they'll be making an impact. Easy peasy. Let me give you two examples here. Bearsop is an Australian startup making powdered hand soap, a bit like ZeroCo earlier. Their mission is to shake up the personal care industry and remove single-use plastics. 
you purchase a dispenser bottle and buy or subscribe to powder-based soap refill sachets. And each home compostable sachet replaces a single-use plastic bottle. Their pre- and post-purchase marketing very strongly communicate that that's what's happening. In other words, every purchase has a direct and clear impact. Booty is perhaps a better-known Australian brand, recently having branded themselves as the official underwear of the entire planet. The short story is that their apparel is made from bamboo, not cotton. They make the impact transparent for each item with things like measurement of the driving emissions saved, light bulb hours of energy saved, litres of water saved, all compared to an equivalent item made of cotton. And once again, you're very clear exactly what impact your purchase will have, making it easy to feel like the hero. When you add this kind of granular level impact into your messaging, you're not only showing how you solve the product related problem, but you're now solving their internal tension at wanting to do better for the environment, but not knowing quite how. Incidentally, Booty's item level impact messaging is driven by Green Story, a sustainability assessment and store plugin system. And I'll be releasing an interview with their founder and CEO, Akil Sivanandan, later in the series. I raise that because one of the things I particularly like about Green Story is how it allows you to present your sustainability data in relatable metrics. For example, instead of 1.5 tonnes of CO2 saved, Booty describes it as 2.1 kilometres of driving emissions. The language you use is just as important as the facts you're presenting, which brings me on to my next point. Use positive, action-orientated, and simple-to-understand language. Leave the customer feeling good as a result of their interaction with you, whether they buy or not. I've seen so many brands start their interactions with frightening statistics about pollution and climate change in the hope of making a scroll-stopping content. I guess the philosophy is, if we alarm people by how bad things are, we can motivate them to buy our do-good things. I'm sure you've all seen messaging like that. Well, let me tell you, if you make people feel bad, they'll just leave. That kind of guilt trip marketing can lead to having your Facebook account shut down as well. I spoke to one prospect customer not long ago who mentioned that that's exactly what happened. When, and she complained that Facebook were protecting the big plastic manufacturers. The reality is, though, her messaging was basically making people feel bad about using plastic. And that's not aligned with the, the experience that Facebook wants for its users. They want people to have a great experience on the platform. We all have enough doom and gloom in our lives. We don't need to get beaten with it when we've just met a new brand. Instead, use positive language that calls your customer to action and gives them a clear pathway to making changes and becoming the hero. Like we've already discussed, sustainability is confusing. Don't confuse the customer with complicated language and jargon or difficult to grapple metrics. But at the same time, don't be patronizing or talk to the customer like they're idiots. In fact, they're the heroes. So you want to treat them like key stakeholders in your mission and keep them close with regular updates on your progress, which leads me to the next important consideration. Regularly share mission updates on your journey. Your story isn't just about your mission and goals. It's certainly not just about what you're selling. It's the journey towards those goals that becomes compelling like any great saga, the twists and turns along the way that serve to keep your audience captivated. Regularly sharing your progress, both good and bad, 
is part of what we call active transparency. But giving updates for your mission isn't just fluffy stuff. There are some real objectives here. You want to remind customers and the community who the hero is, i.e. them, and show them the impact that they're actually having collectively. You want to show momentum to make the audience feel like their action in choosing you means something and that they are in safe hands. I covered how to use active transparency in more detail in the last episode, so check that out for more information on how to convey your news messages. But for now, I want to cover off one last point from this list of 10 must-dos. Leverage education as an ongoing source of value for your customer. Learning to do better for the environment is not a once-in and done type of action. It's a journey full of twists and turns. Sustainability science is evolving all the time too, which presents us with an opportunity to educate the customer and become a source of ongoing value in their life beyond the simple transactional relationship. This is a natural extension of the model where the customer is a hero and your brand is the guide. A common mistake, though, is in how that education content is actually delivered. Oftentimes, it can feel like you're pumping out content and nobody's listening. Remember that you're asking people to make changes in their life, to do things differently. For customers to do that means they need to trust and relate to their guide. They need a real person to share their journey with, not a faceless brand. For that content to be of value to your brand as well as the customer, it means that if you're the founder of the brand, it's your job to be their guide. You can't hire someone else to do that. You can't delegate it. People want to relate to and see you as the visible face of the brand. If you're a founder-led brand, that's actually a very interesting competitive advantage over bigger brands. If you learn to do it well, your educational content can become an incredible way to attract and engage your audience. And of course, you get the opportunity to tell your story at every turn. So there we have it, 10 big suggestions for you to consider in your brand in order to drive the growth and the impact you know you should be creating. The main themes today, don't lose sight of profit in your drive for purpose. Build impact directly into your business model rather than as a donation from profit at the end of the year. Tell your story proudly, but do it by casting the customer as the hero in your mission. Doing that will allow you to clearly communicate to the mass mainstream of consumers, charge higher prices and cut through the noise of new competition and invite your customers on the journey with active transparency and education. So I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. We'll be back next week with another awesome founder interview. But until then, keep building your brand for a healthier planet.